right. We are uh, we're into our series on uh, knowing God's blueprint, knowing God's will for your life. And as I shared in the last couple of weeks, probably one of the, the, the questions that I get asked most of, or maybe the question that you ask yourself is, what is God's will for my life or this situation? Or why do these certain things happen? Um, how do I know if it's God's will? Is there a certain peace that I should feel? Is there a, a certain tingling in my big toe that I should have? Should, should I look for certain signs? Is there a, a perfect will that I must find? And, and, and how do I know if I find it? What if I missed it? What, what if I'm married to the wrong person? What if I'm not in the right job? What, what if I'm in the wrong church? Well, let me relieve you of that. It's God's will for you to be at this church. Amen? Just teasing. Okay, as we discussed over the past few weeks, it, it, God's will is, is not some dot that you have to be on, so small that it's impossible to stay on. And what we've discussed is His will is more of a, a green pasture which allows latitude under the obedience of His Word. And if we are not careful... We can say that, that the people that have only really found God's will are the Amy Carmichaels, the Mark Buntains, or the, the Jim Elliots of the world, those who gave their life for missions. We can say, okay, those are people that found God's perfect will. And then the rest of us are these second-class Christians living in the substandard will of God. And, and I believe that it's, it's not difficult to understand and discover the will of God or the mind of God for your life. And, and I'm going to, this morning, I'm, 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 I'm real excited about this message because before we jump into God's specific will, because we're, that's the thing we're always worried about, what's God's specific will for this thing and what college I go to? And, and we discussed it. Listen, God is more concerned about two things in your life than, than all these little specific things that we can get so wrapped up in and, and, and it can get so confusing in our lives that, that it brings a lot of guilt and condemnation in our life because we feel like, did I miss it back here? And if I, if I missed a choice back here that wasn't God's perfect will for me, then I'm in this permissive will of God that, that's down this rabbit trail. And for the rest of my life, I've got to live with this guilt and condemnation that, that, that God can't use me. Guess what? God is a merciful God. Even with the bad choices you made back here, God can still turn those around in Jesus Christ and use it for His purposes and His glory. Somebody say amen to that. Because that gives us hope today that in Christ there's newness of life. He makes new, brand new people out of us in Jesus Christ. And, and we looked at two areas of God's will that are most important that we discussed. God's sovereign will and God's moral will, which are the most important. And the reason for this is because it involves less of me and more of God. We've understood that God is sovereign, which means he's ultimately in control of everything that goes on. I don't have to worry about what goes on in the world because I know that God is ultimately in control. And secondly, we looked at God's moral will, and God's moral will is that you walk in holiness. That's what God is most concerned with in your life, is that you walk before Him and that you're obedient to His Word so that when you make these choices in your life, if you're obedient to the Lord and you're walking in holiness, guess what? God is pleased with the choices that you make and He gives you latitude to make choices for Him that He's pleased with. Amen. Okay. Two of you this morning. All right, we're getting better. We went from one, now we're going to two. Let me give you a great quote from James McDonald. James McDonald says this, he says, God does not have an undisclosed, detailed blueprint for your life. There's no secret, unseen code that specifies how you are to choose and how you are to act and how you are to move in every single particular situation. God's will is about the kind of person you are, not the street you live on or where you're supposed to get your paycheck God's will is about you and I being a certain kind of person. John MacArthur says this, kind of very complimentary to what James says, and I like what, what John MacArthur says here. He says, you see, the will of God is not primarily a place. The will of God is not first of all for you to go there or to work here. 
the will of God concerns you as a person. If you are the right you, you can follow your desires and you will fulfill God's will. Again, if you are the right you, if you're becoming the person God wants you to be, you can follow your desires and you will fulfill God's will. Great quote. I love that. So the question we need to ask ourselves is not so often, God, what is it about me? And can I fit you into my desires and my will so that I live a happy life and I'm comfy cozy with the choices that I make? Because sometimes we want to make these choices and then we want to say, oh yeah, God, and by the way, if you could just bless these choices, it would be really cool because It'll make me feel a lot better if you jump on board with this, God, okay? So if you want to jump on board, please bless my plans, and I'll feel real good about that. See, the question we need to be asking ourselves is not so much about me, but we need to ask ourselves, what is the heart of God, and how can I fulfill that in my life? Not necessarily, what's everything I want to do, and then, God, I want you to bless it. Lord, I want to know your heart, I want to know how I can follow you with my whole heart. And, and, and I believe there's, there's two passages of Scripture that just jump out at me concerning the heart of God and what He desires for us. So what is the heart of God? And ultimately, what does God desire from us? This is the same for every single one of us that are followers of Jesus Christ. This is the heart of God, that I want to grip your heart because no matter what you do in your life, no matter what occupation you have, how many of you understand as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are all ministers of Jesus. It's not, it's not relocated to just a pastor, myself, or, or Pastor Mike. We are all ministers. We're, I, I'm to lead you and guide you and, and hopefully teach you and, and train you and, and, and be a shepherd to you. That, that's a, that's a, a, a gifting that the Lord gives His church. And God has gifted you with many, many, many wonderful gifts to, to encourage the body and, and build up the body. But we are all ministers. So no matter what you do, you are a minister. You've got to grab that calling in your life. You've got to say, God, I've got to grab that calling that I'm a minister for you. And no matter where I go, I, I, I am bound and determined to grab your heart in every situation and share what's on my heart, what's on your heart for this world, no matter where you work. And you can do that any place. And God's desire for you is to be his mouthpiece, to allow his glory to be shown through you that the world may know who Christ is. That's pretty powerful. And so here are two passages that I believe shout the heart of God for your life. You want to know God's will? You want to know the heart of God? Here it is. Are you ready? It's not necessarily about this place or who you'll marry or what street you'll live on or where you get your paycheck. That's not really the heart of God. Here is the heart of God. How many of you have memorized John 3.16? We've all memorized. We understand it. We know John 3.16. The problem is we don't know John 17 and 18. Verses 17. So let's read. Here is the heart of God. Here's what, the, here's what the apostle, here's what John says. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Everybody say amen. That's a pretty wonderful promise there. But let's go on here. He says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of his only Son of God. Let's, let's look at 2 Peter 3.9. Here's, here's another wonderful passage that speaks to the heart of God and the will of God for us. The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promises. Some count slowness but is patient towards you. Everybody say amen to that. He's patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. 
There's a common thread that runs through these two verses. This is the heart of God. God's heart is about redeeming people. Not necessarily where you live or what job you have or who you marry. I know those are all important to us and and God's not necessarily not concerned about those things. But God's heart is about redeeming people. If he's redeemed you, you've got something very precious that God has done for you and redeemed you from the slavery of sin and set you on a different course and a different path that was headed for hell and damnation, which is now headed for eternal life with God through Christ Jesus. Amen. So we understand this is God's heart. His heart is about changing people's lives. And this is vital for this reason. Jesus' purpose for coming to earth was to purchase us back from the bonds of sin which separate us from God. Here's the problem with much of people that are so-called, people that are proclaiming a message about Jesus to America today, and I'm not talking about Central America or maybe even Europe or in China or in Asia. I'm talking about American Christianity. This, what, this is the Jesus that many times we are given today. And then we get mixed up with the will of God because we think God is all about me and, and my comforts and all this other stuff that we get sidetracked from really what the heart of God is. And we get very complacent and self-centered as Christians. And it's sad. See, Jesus didn't come just to make you a better husband or wife or a better parent or to give you a better life now or, or to allow you to make more money. That's not why Jesus came. Now, when he redeems your life and changes your life from a life that's headed to hell to heaven and, and forgives you of your sin, when you begin to become a disciple of Christ, will that allow you to become a, a better husband and wife? You better believe it because he's changed your heart. Would it, will it allow you to be a better employee and an employer? Yeah, you better believe it. Will he bless you at times? Yeah, he will. But that's not the main reason why Jesus came. The, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus came to die for your sins, to pay a debt that you could not pay. So let me lay some foundation for this truth, and let me give you some biblical truth that will reiterate God's will for us. Why is it God's will to reach people with his redeeming love? And let me just say this. People, if we don't get this, if this does not grip our hearts, we will live very self-centered lives that's always looking to bless me and how can I feel better and how can I be happy and i got to find myself garbage, okay? We'll all we'll be so wrapped up in that because we're not wrapped up in the gospel message for the reason why Jesus came. And once, if you can get this into your spirit and into your heart, it will change your perspective and cause you to live a very happy and joyful life because you know that you are pleasing God's heart. How many of you, when you look at your kids and they do something and you're just proud of them, especially when you catch them doing something that they're not doing it to get something from you? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? You know, the kids all of a sudden they start taking out the garbage and I'll start doing all this. So what else can I do for you? Can I do anything else? Can I take up, can I take up a recycling? And then I, I know what's coming. Okay, what new video game do you want? You know, you know what's coming. But isn't it wonderful when you catch your kids doing something or another parent comes up to you and says, you know what, I just want to tell you, I really, your, your child did something. I was really proud of that and I thought it was really nice what they did and and, and, and blah, 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 and I just wanted to tell you that. And I'm like, wait, but you got the wrong, that's not my kid. My kid, you sure? Are you sure that was my kid? Oh, yeah, no, I don't think, no, I'm just teasing. And, and you, you're proud of them because you're like, you know that they're not doing it to get something from you. They're just simply doing it. And when you catch them doing it without them knowing that you see them doing it, it makes you proud in your heart. You see, in God, if we want to truly please him, then we have to know what is your desire, God? What is your heart? And God is for people. He loves people. That's why he came, because he knew that that we were a people that were rebellious and dishonoring to God and enemies of him. 
But God loved us so much that He wasn't willing for us to die in our sins, but willing to give His only begotten Son for you and I. We have to understand about God's love. So why is it God's will to reach people with His redeeming love? Let me give you a couple truths here in God's Word, and I've got these in your notes. These are notes that you need to keep, okay? I know some of you, they, they're in the pew, and you take them home, and they're at the bottom of your car, or, you know, whatever. These are notes that you need to keep because this lays the foundation for the will of God and God's heart for you. They're very simplistic. They're not deep. Okay, hopefully everyone will understand. So you can keep these later so you can run through them, through your spirit and your life to keep checking your heart to make sure that you're not unbalanced in your walk with the Lord. So let's look at truth number one. Truth number one is this. Why does God, why is it God's will to reach people with his redeeming love? Redeeming love? Truth number one, this, this is the reason why. God knows that people cannot save themselves. Romans 3.23 says, For all, for all, everybody say for all. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us all have rejected God. Now, I had this interesting conversation with somebody the other day, and we were talking about, well, you know, what if somebody's never heard the gospel message, blah, 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 and, and why would a loving God send anyone to hell? And I always turn that question around and say, why would a loving God send anyone to heaven? So we've got to start there. Why would he send us to heaven when we've been so rebellious? So he, he told me, oh, I've listened to this other pastor, and he spoke about how he believes how people that have never heard or, 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 or people that have just been good and follow the golden rule can get into heaven. He gave me his whole explanation. So I said, you know what you need to do, brother? You need to read Romans chapter 1. And, and here's how we're all lumped into the same, uh, we're all lumped in, in, into the same group here when it comes that when it comes to not knowing God and rejecting God, and I love this passage in Romans one twenty one, it says, for, all, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him. And why does everybody know God? Because the minute you look up into the heavens, we're guilty. Because we know that there had to be a creator that created all those things. The galaxies and the heavens. And so what Paul is saying here, he's saying, although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, and they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were dark, and claiming to be wise, they became fools. They began to worship the created things and not the Creator. And so we are all guilty before God. It doesn't matter who you are or where you live. We are foolish in our own thinking. We can't save ourselves no matter how hard we try or how good we try to behave or how many times we go to church, or how much we read our Bibles, we cannot save ourselves. We are destitute. So people cannot save themselves. That's truth number one. Truth number two is that we are all guilty before God. Once again, Paul reiterates this in Romans chapter 3. He says, as it is written, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands and no one seeks God. And here's the reason why. We haven't met God's righteous standards. Not only didn't we meet them, but we broke His laws. And the result is we will all stand guilty before God as a holy judge. And we have to remember this and get this into our noggins, okay? All people are guilty. Thus, the default is not heaven, but hell. Doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? It, it shouldn't. And here's the reason why. Yes, we understand that God is a loving God, and we all want to hear about the love of God, for God so loved the world. Yes, that's good. Let's proclaim. But then when you go on to the other verses, he says, but we are condemned, and we need a Savior. And there's a reason why Jesus died on the cross. It's because we are enemies with God. We are lost. We are guilty. And if, if, if there was a murder that were, were to stand before a judge, if a judge is going to be a good judge and a fair judge, he's, he has to pronounce a guilty verdict upon that murderer. If he would just let them go, would he be a fair and good judge? No. If God would just overlook our sins and just bat an eye and just say, well, they've been good enough, 
they've been following the golden rule. They did go to church on Christmas and Easter. They they did have a Bible in their house. Uh, Their parents were Christians, so I I guess that's enough. They They were kind of sincere. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. Because we're trying to save ourselves. And if that's the way we look at God, then we completely misunderstand the brutal effects of the cross upon Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he did for you and I and died for you and I. See, we can't make up the rules. Only God can. We can't sit there and say, well, God, what about... No, God says, listen, we, we, we have all fallen short. We are all guilty of sin because of Adam and Eve's sin. We are all tainted with that sin. And we cannot overcome it ourselves. We are guilty. So here's truth number three. You're like, man, why did I come to church this morning, Pastor? I could have slept in. Come on, man, I could have slept in. But here's truth number three. Here's where it gets good. And here's why God is so loving. And God is so merciful. Because God provided a way for you and I that we could not provide for ourselves. And I love this verse in Romans 6. It says, For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the free the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That gift of salvation is free. It's nothing that you could do to earn it. There's nothing you could do to, to deserve it in your own life. It is a free gift that He gives to us through Christ Jesus because He paid the debt that we could not pay. Paul goes on in Romans 5 to explain this. He says, For while we were still weak, that means in our sin and and we couldn't save ourselves, at the right time Christ died for who? The ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps uh, for a good one uh, would even dare to die. But God shows His love for us that in while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. I want you to underline that word wrath. Because Paul nails it here. He says, how much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God? For while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more... Now that we are reconciled, shall we, shall we be saved by His life? You see, God provided this way through His Son. God's wrath is going to be poured out on mankind because of their sin and rejection of Him. But instead, Jesus took that wrath. It's, it's the word propitiation. He, the wrath of God was poured out on Christ. And Christ literally became our atonement, our covering. And so we couldn't save ourselves, but because of, of, of God's love for us, He provided something that we could not provide for ourselves. And so God is merciful and good in the way He provided His Son. And upon that cross 2,000 years ago, the wrath of God that should have been poured out on every single one of our malicious, ugly, dark, secret sins that no one else knows about, God poured out that wrath upon His Son, son, and Jesus bore that sin upon Himself. Upon Himself. That's how much God loves you. He was willing to do that for you and I, which we couldn't do for ourselves. Truth number four. We have to understand this. In order to really understand God's love and God's will, we need to understand that Christ is the absolute only way to God. There is no other way to be reconciled unto God. It is only through Christ. Christ is the only one, the only divine being, the only Son of God who gave His life for you and I. There's not many ways. There's, he's not a way. He's the way. And, and, and John reiterates this. And and. and, and when he says, when Jesus says, if you, if you know me, you would, you would know the Father also. From now on, you know him because you have, have seen him. And we understand that, that, that Jesus is the, the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father but by him. And so Jesus is this only way. And then listen to what Paul says. He says, he says therefore, since we have been justified... By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also 
obtained access by faith into this, great, into this grace which we now stand and we have rejoiced in the hope of the glory of God. So by our faith, our simple faith in Jesus Christ, God now imputes his son's righteousness into your life. And this, this justification by faith is a declaration. It's a legal term that says you are now not guilty of this sin, of this grievance against me. And you just have to put your faith in Christ to believe this. That's it. So your standing now becomes one in Christ. You don't have to worry about, did, did I do enough good to outweigh my bad? No, what Paul is saying, by putting your faith in Christ, God now sees you and declares you not guilty. And through his blood, we are now forgiven. And God takes it a step further by imputing Christ's righteousness that he did on the cross and through his perfect life, he now imputes it into your life and says, you are now righteous in me through my son and through his blood. Now, does that mean we'll never sin again? Of course, we, we will sin. We'll make mistakes. But it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that now we can find forgiveness and we can confess our sins before the Lord. And the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so here's the thing. If we know God's will, if we know that Jesus died for my sins, if we know that God poured his wrath out upon Jesus Christ, if we know it's only by faith that I can receive this wonderful gift of God's salvation, if we understand that if we have received it, something should radically change in our hearts. There should be a huge shift in the way I live now. Not, I'm not living for myself. I'm, I'm not living by, by trying to appease God by waking up in the morning and saying, boy, I'm such a good person. I haven't done anything wrong yet today. Well, give it a couple hours. You'll do something wrong. Something will go haywire in your life. And we try to say, well, that was a good day, so now I'm making you feel good, God, because I did all these good things, and I went to church, and I read my Bible, and I did all these good things. We can stop trying to appease God's holiness because it's not through your works that you appease Him. It's through Christ Jesus. So when I'm in Christ Jesus, now I desire to do those good works. I desire to please Him because I want to know what His will is. I'm realistic with my life. I'm authentic with the Lord that I'm going to fall at times and I'm going to make mistakes at times. But I know that God is faithful to forgive me. I want God to so grip my heart each and every day that I'm living for Him each and every day. That's the relationship that Christ desires to have with you each and every day. So we have to realize, what, what is the last truth here? If I understand all these things, then I really want to know God's will. And here's what it is. It's God's will for you to be saved. It's God's will for you to come to repentance. It's God's will for you to know His Son intimately to repent of your sins and to come to Christ. That's God's will. But here's the last thing. All these things need, need to come to this very one point, to this apex. Truth number five, that we are commanded, we are commanded with all this knowledge, and if Christ has saved you, then we are commanded to share the message of Christ. So if I understand what the Lord has done in my heart, then we are now commanded to share that message of Christ once again, listen to what Paul says in Romans. He says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. That includes me and you. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. This passage is not for missionaries. This passage is for all of us, not just for missionaries. You see, with this truth, what are we to do? If we are to know the heart of God, what should our reaction be? Let me give you a couple stats here, a couple statistics. We know right now that there are 5,000 different people groups. Approximately 1.5 billion people are unreached, which means there are certain people groups who have a limited 
evangelical Christian witness with, with, with only a small adequate numbers or resources to reach them. And there are in fact some people groups who have no missionary actively working with them at this time. Now, if that doesn't break your heart, I don't know what else will. Because, you know, the, the issue is, you know, we can go 3,000 miles to Central America, but we won't walk 30 feet over to our neighbor's house. You see, if, 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 the, if this message of Christ and what he's done for me has so gripped my heart, then it should change my perspective. And God's heart is for people to know what his son has done for them. I, 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 I love the story of Josh and Lindy Johnson. Um, if you don't know the story of Josh and Lindy Johnson, they are missionaries that we support to the country of Nepal. And uh, what's cool about Lindy is she was in my youth group when I was a youth pastor in South Carolina. And what's neat about that story is when she was 12 years old, she went on a missions trip with us to El Salvador. And we're on the bus coming back from a long day of ministry. And we're sitting on that bus. And Lindy looked at me, 12-year-old little girl, almost Lily's age, uh, just a little older than my daughter Lily. She looks at me and says, says, Pastor Barton, I got a question to ask you. I said, yeah, Lindy, what's going on? She goes, how do you know when God has really called you to the mission field? And we, we talked about that. I said, well, Lindy, your, your, your mission field is your junior high school. And she started a prayer group and a Bible study in her, in her junior high school. I said, Lindy, you're, you're doing the call. You're, God's called you to reach your junior high for, for Jesus. She goes, I, I know that. I know that, Pastor. I know that. She goes, I know that. But how do you know that you know that God has so gripped your heart? And I said, Lindy, well, first of all, you, you, you just can't see yourself doing anything else than sharing the love of Christ with people. So I told her, I said, Lindy, no matter where you go or what you do, have that passion for Christ to reach your world with Jesus' message. And I said, you can't see yourself doing anything else. And, and years later, when she went to college and she became a, a, you know, a nurse practitioner, practitioner and they're in Nepal now and she uses that to reach out to the uh, human trafficking. Women come into a clinic. Many, many are prostitutes and, and human trafficking slaves and she helps them get out of that through, through this clinic there and her and her husband, I'm going to share a minute what they do because I think it's just incredible what else they do. But you know, I, I got thinking about what I told her because years later she wrote me a letter when, when she graduated from college, and she wrote me this letter just saying, Pastor Barton, thanks for speaking to me, and thanks for all your years of youth pastor. It's really, I still have it. It really encourages me. And she goes, I always remember what you told me on that bus in El Salvador when I was 12 years old. And she goes, I always remember that, and I always kept it deep in my heart. But I got thinking about that. I said, you know what? That should be all of our desire, that I can't see myself doing anything else, no matter where I am or what I do, sharing that love of Jesus wherever I go. Here's what Josh and Lindy Johnson do. They actually go into completely unreached areas in Nepal where there is absolutely no gospel presentation, no missionaries. They go into these areas, into the Himalayas, where there is, is, is no one reaching them. And she sent me a picture when they first went on the mission field of this village and she goes, in this village is the last village before you go into the mountains of the Himalayas where there's a gospel message. Beyond that, they have never heard. That's so good, my heart. I'm like, God, these people, we are so saturated in the United States with the message of Christ and you know, I'm talking with this guy the other day, and we're arguing over whether or not, oh, well, this per you know, if this person followed the golden rule, will they get into heaven? And we're arguing about this foolishness. It's just foolishness. And meanwhile, there are people that have never even heard it, and we're arguing about whether or not somebody, if they follow the golden rule, will they get in heaven? I'm like, to all that. Where's our heart? I mean, are we, are we, are we arguing about whether or not, where's the loophole in all this, God? Well, I hope they get it. You know, I got thinking, if, if I'm in a plane, and that plane is, is getting ready to go down, and I'm, I've, we've got parachutes on that plane, and no one knows how to use a parachute but one person. 
They've got the instructions. They can teach us how to use it. I, I wouldn't know the first thing about using a parachute. I'd probably have the thing on, on upside down, you know. I'd probably wear it like a diaper. I wouldn't know how to do that parachute. I would, you know, where's the rip? Just tell me where's the, you know, and I would want to know the instructions to save my life. I wouldn't sit there, if I was that instructor and I was telling them, I wouldn't sit there and say, well, maybe I should be friends with this person first. Let me think. Should we be friends first? Because I don't want to offend them because maybe they don't want to know the instructions. Maybe I'll be pushing it on them if I tell them how to save their life. Maybe I should just, you know, let's first be friends. Meanwhile, this plane is crashing. They're going to die any minute. And I'm worried about whether or not I should be friends with them or whether I'm going to offend them by this message. I want to be so gripped with the gospel message of Christ that I'm concerned about a soul of a person because that's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus commissioned the apostles to go in all the world and spread this very gospel message. Now, there's a right way to do it. You can be a jerk and share the gospel message or you can share it with compassion and love. The, the, God wants you to share that message with love because God loves people. If you're just sharing it, just say, hey, how you doing? You're going to hell. You know that? Okay, just letting them know. Okay, you're going to hell. Have a nice day. Okay? That's not, I mean, come on. We, we should be so consumed by this gospel message in sharing what Christ did in our heart. It, God does the saving, not me. And what I love about the story of, of jo Josh and Linda Johnson is this is what they do. This is so cool what they do. What they do is they go into these villages in the mountains of the Himalayas. And what they do is, uh, Josh is just brilliant. He's so smart. He's just beyond brilliant. So what he does is he learns the, the, the local Nepali dialect, the language. What? Who does that? Smart people do that. Okay? And they go in and they share the stories about the Bible. What they'll do is, it's like, it's so like, first century Jesus style witnessing. They just take a backpack. They got sandals and they just walk in. And the we don't understand. You got to get this. In, in, in Western philosophy and understanding, we are so private, aren't we? We don't understand hospitality here at all because we're very private people. Remember 30 years ago when someone came to your door, you always had a your mom always had a cake or a pie ready for that visitor. You're all excited about it. Now someone comes to the door and you're telling all the kids to get down. Who's at the door? Who's coming? Who's there? You pull out your guns, you know, you're like, okay, show me. Okay, who are, you know, we're, we're freaked out when someone comes. But, but that's not what it's like in Eastern culture. Eastern culture is very hospitable. And, and if a stranger comes to your door in the middle of the night when they're walking, you just give up everything. You give the best to them. We don't understand. And that's the way it is in this culture in Nepal. So what they'll do is they'll come in and people will house them in their house for weeks at a time. And they'll sit with these people and eat rice or whatever and, and, and be able to share the message of Christ with them through story form. And last time they were here, they shared a, a wonderful story about a, a young man in, in one of those villages that, that they're discipling. And now he's telling other people in that village, oh, that is so cool. I don't know about you, that just stokes my spiritual fire when I hear that. Where, where is your desire? See, that's the heart of God. Because God loves people and he gave his life for people. And where am I? I love this quote by David Platt. David Platt wrote this book, Radical. Do not read that book unless you want your life to be completely rattled. He said this quote. And it's good. Listen, the will of God is for you and me to give our lives urgently and recklessly to making the gospel and the glory of God known among all people, particularly those who have never heard of Jesus. The question, therefore, is not can we find God's will? The question is, Will we obey God's will? Are you obeying God's will today? Has the gospel message so gripped your heart that you're praying for your neighbors and your family and, and, and for their salvation? 
for your coworkers? Are, 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 you on, are you on high alert just to have those open doors, just to be able to share your faith with those that are so desperately needing to hear the truth of God? I had to do a funeral on Thursday, and there was one guy that shared during the eulogy time, and, and he came up to me right after the service, and I just shared a real simple gospel message, because I know probably a lot of people come to those services, and they probably aren't following Jesus or Christians, so I always share, I always speak to the living, because they're there, and that person has died, so that's already finished and done with. The people that are there are living, and they need to hear the hope that comes from the gospel message. I had one guy come up to me after the service, and he goes, you know what? I was really, really listening. And he goes, it made a lot of sense what you said. And it was a great conversation that we had. And for me, if God spoke to that one person through his word, then it's worth it. Are we prepared? Listen, I know some of you, you're, you're... your concern. We'll get into the specific things of God's will the next couple of weeks, but listen, if we don't get this down first, all that other stuff's going to be a distraction for your life. Has God so gripped your heart with that gospel message that you want to share that message? You see, what missions trips do for me, and I know everybody can't go on a mission. I understand that. But what missions trips do for me it gives me a greater hunger and compassion for where we are here. It just, it just stirs me up. It, it changes me. And, and some of you need to pray, you know. I'm going to make, uh, this is something I'm going to plan to do in the next five years is go on a missions trip. I'm just going to, I'm going to do all I can. I'm going to save everything I can to go on a missions trip. I just, I wish all of you could come. I heard this one story, this one businessman who got so consumed with the gospel message and about his business that he just started supporting this orphanage in Africa and he just started giving funds and finances to get that thing going and he says you know what I need to go there and then he started making trips twice a year and and much of the income that he makes off of his business he gives to this orphanage in Africa and it just he, 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 he just God so gripped his heart about reaching those with the love of Christ that it so gripped him that it changed the way he looked at his business practices. I like that. I like that. That's God's will. You want to please God's heart? Then God, in our assembly, in our church here today, God, give me a new hunger for the lost. And, and, and let's get over this little nitpicky arguments that we have that make no difference in the kingdom of God. Lord, take away my selfishness and the things that I'm, I'm doing that I think are so important. And let me lay all those things at your feet and say, God, how am I using them for your glory that your glory can be shown before me? Amen. I want you to bow your, bow your hearts with me this morning as we pray. And I want us just to come before the Lord today. And, and I just want us to give our hearts to him today. Here, here's what I'm going to do this, this morning. We're going to stand in just a minute. And we're going we're gonna to sing a song. But I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. I'm going to ask for those of you that are saying, Pastor, the Lord spoke to my heart this morning. And I'm going to... I'm going to take inventory of my life and, and, and I, I'm going to get serious about allowing God to change my heart in many areas. Give me a greater compassion for the lost. I want to please God in this area of my life. And if God's speaking to your heart this morning, I, I want you to come forward today as a symbolic act before the Lord that says, God, I mean business this morning. And I'm giving my life to you in this area. And, and I just want to line myself up with you. Maybe it's a time of just forgiveness. Maybe it's a time of just reflection. Maybe it's a time where you just say, God, I just need to reprioritize. I've kind of gotten off track a little bit here. But I want to know you and I want to know your mind.
and I don't want to miss it. And I'm, I, I'm sorry for getting so caught up in this minuscule stuff that I, I missed you in so many areas. And we've all, I go there, we all go there. We're, none of us are immune from that. But I think this is a time of recommitment unto the Lord. We're, we're saying, God, I'm committing myself to you this morning to do the work that you need to do in my heart and so grip me. So I want us to stand this morning. I'm going to pray for you. And as we begin to sing this song, I want you to come forward and let's commit our lives to Jesus Christ. Lord, God, I pray that you would so grip our hearts this morning that we would not forget who you are and what you've done for us. Maybe there's some here today that's never committed their hearts to the Lord. That's where it starts, saying yes to God. Lord, I'm going to commit my life to you and I realize what you've done for me. And I've got to come to you by faith. I can't save myself. I'm, I'm just depending on you, Jesus, to save me. And I come by faith to you. Maybe that's you this morning, but for the rest of us, Lord, here, we're, we're committing our lives to you again, Lord, and just saying, God, do that work in my heart again. It needs to change. Forgive us, God. Lord, let us do the things that please you. And that's where we find our joy and our peace and we lay our lives at your feet. So we thank you for your love today and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's sing, let's come, and let's give our lives to Jesus. It's all about you. Thank you that you are patient with us. 
But Lord, so many times we do fail you and, and we all do it, God. But I thank you that it's your loving kindness. That your love is unconditional. That your mercy is always there. God, just change us today. Let us never forget what happened on that cross 2,000 years ago. Let us never forget there's men and women every single day that give their, literally put their lives on the line for that message of Jesus Christ. They're willing not to love their lives so much as not to give it for the one who gave their life for them. God, I just pray that you would just, God, change us, restructure us. Let us be so gospel consumed with what Jesus has done for us that it will translate in the way we reach out to the world. We thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness today. Lord, I thank you for every heart here today that's committing their lives to you anew and afresh today, God. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't stop here at the altar, but Lord, it would continue tomorrow and the next day as we live for you. So thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that's here today, dear Jesus. And we just give you our lives. We give you our lives. We give you our families. We give you our marriages. And we give you our individual lives, God. Just as the song says, God, you alone are worthy. God, I want to do it your way, not my way. So we give you our hearts now. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask these things. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Let's just give the Lord praise this morning. He's good. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Go in God's grace. God bless you. Amen.